Well, good morning, everyone. If you're listening to this in the morning, it is February the 3rd, a Wednesday, the day after Groundhog Day and National Signing Day, although it's an anticlimactic, climactic, climatic, uh, and National Signing Day because, of course, most of the elite players in the country sign in December. So um, I know that many of you are excited about National Signing Day. I have always been the kind of guy who gets more excited about the cake than the ingredients of the cake. So I never really delved too much into National Signing Day unless it was someone that I had to know about, such as back in my plane dealer days, Robert Smith out of Euclid High School. So I don't have a lot for you on National Signing Day. Ohio State's going to sign a great class, and everyone across the country is going to sign a great class, and they're going to get everyone they liked, and no one is going to sign a bad class. So that is pretty much my National Signing Day roundup here on the We Tackle Life podcast. We, you, and me. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to have you with us, and we will take you through uh, something I'm much more excited about, which is Iowa, Ohio State. On Thursday night, a top 10 battle in the Big Ten. Watched Iowa last night, have some thoughts on them. And uh, we will also have some thoughts on something that excited everyone in the sports realm yesterday morning. Wow. The return of something that's been gone since 2014. Can you guess what it is? Well, you'll have to wait until our second segment today. Here's good news for you, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. Our first and most uh, long-running sponsor on the We Tackle Life podcast. We'll give you 15% off your order. When you use the promo code We Tackle Life in all caps, that is the name of the podcast. Mr. Spielman loves their coffee. My girls love their coffee. Everyone who tastes their coffee loves their coffee, including me. But I'm not very good at making coffee. I'm not nearly as good as Paul and Grace, and uh, they are the... Uh, owners of HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. And when I go to their shop in Mechanicsburg, they're always amazingly kind and generous to make me a coffee, a latte, something I don't even know what it is, but I know it's always good. And I know that they are also engaged in important ministry across the globe, buying their coffee direct from growers in Nicaragua, Indonesia, Thailand, and other foreign countries. You can get it however you like it. You want to roast it yourself? You can. They'll sell it to you whole bean. You want them to roast it? They will expertly. You want it in K-Cups? They can do that. So, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee is phenomenal, and the people who they buy from do great things in their local communities and help people who have really no other way of making a living that's legal and healthy for them. So I would highly recommend that you buy your coffee from Hemisphere, you support people around the globe, and you support a great ministry. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Use the promo code we tackle life in all caps, and you will get 15% off. Okay, let's start with Buckeye Hoops. Big challenge on Thursday. Literally and figuratively. Literally, Luca Garza, the uh, Hawkeyes man down low. Although he doesn't stay down low. because I watched him last night against Michigan State. Luca Garza plays with the kind of motor that you would want anyone to play with on your team or that you fancy that you would play with if you were on the team. Luca Garza is not highly fluid, but he is highly skilled. He looks a little clumsy out there, but man, is he a load. And does it concern me that he could get EJ Liddell and Kyle Young and Zed Key in foul trouble? That's a legitimate concern. Looking forward to talking to Chris Holtman later today. 
about how they plan to defend Luca Garza. I don't know if the best way to beat Iowa is to give Luca Garza his 25 and try to keep Iowa from making a bunch of threes out on the perimeter because here's the thing. Luca Garza is a really good passer. Michigan State tried to surround him last night in the low post, and he often found other teammates cutting to the basket or on the perimeter for wide-open shots. This guy has a complete game, including three-point range himself. I'd say he's a good free-throw shooter, but he's also a somewhat streaky free-throw shooter. I'm seeing him have some tough nights. Hopefully Thursday night is a tough night for him. But this is a battle of number 7 Ohio State. You go, huh? Yeah, I know. They're up to seven. Are they the seventh best team in the country? Well, I don't know. I mean, they they offer a lot of challenges. They're a tough cover. Who's going to be good on a certain night? You pretty much know E.J. Liddell will be. Justice Suing's been good lately. He's got to be really good on Thursday. Dwayne Washington would be um, ideal to come out of your shooting slump Thursday night at Iowa. Before I get to why he'll get many opportunities... Let me continue with Luca Garza. He makes threes, and they're kind of awkward. They're kind of geeky-looking threes. They pretty much bring rain when they come down, but they often come down and land on target. And I thought last night about five times Luca Garza took a shot that if I'm Tom Izzo over on the bench, I'm like, great, really happy you shot that, Luca Garza. Problem is it goes in. He takes shots that you're happy he took until he makes them. And then you're like, holy cow, guy's got mid-range, he's got three-point, he's a beast in the low post. What do we do with this guy? Well, it would help if you had a Caleb Wesson who could physically match his strength. I'm not making any comment about you know the lack of physical strength in E.J. Liddell and Kyle Young. They're both strong guys and in-shape guys, but they just don't have the bulk that Luca Garza has, and he gets... Uh, a lot of guys in foul trouble. I was going to say he gets a lot of calls. That implies that he gets calls he doesn't deserve. I think he gets a few of those, but when you bang and you're the defender, 70% of the time the foul's on you, and he will bang with you. So it's going to be an issue. And they got guys who can hit threes. Uh, The despicable Fran McCaffrey's son. The despicable Fran McCaffrey has a son who can hit threes. His son, as far as I know, is not despicable. But Fran is. Uh, I say that somewhat in jest. Fran's hard to like. Fran's a whiner. Fran's a screamer. Fran's a lunatic. Remember he MF'd the officials in the hallway at Value City Arena a couple years ago on a night where, like, Ohio State beat him like a rented mule? He somehow thought the officials cost him that game. That was a Justin Arns game. Be another good night for Justin Arns. This will be interesting with Iowa. What do they do with Justin Arns? Because he hit 50% of his threes right about there. And Iowa is not a good defensive team. They are not a good defensive team. They gave up a lot of points. You get shots against Iowa, particularly three-point shots, because they play a lot of zone, and the three-point shots are there for the taking, which is fine if they're also there for the making. And that has been a problem for presumably our one of our best three-point shooters, because Arns is our best, but one of our need-to-be top-two scorers, Dwayne Washington. He has really struggled lately. The only threes he's made are like, oh, don't take that, please. Ah, the shot clock's running out. No, that's not going in. Owen goes in. 
So he's making the threes that he really doesn't have any time to think about and sight and come in the flow of the offense, and that's a problem because you don't want Dwayne Washington making only hero ball three-pointers. You want him making good, solid, open-look three-pointers, which he can do. He just hasn't done it for a while, and Ohio State's been fortunate that they've won most of those games that he has had bad shooting nights. He didn't win at Northwestern, but you know they beat uh, Illinois. They beat Michigan State. They beat Wisconsin with Dwayne Washington really struggling, and that is hard. It's good. We have other guys who can step in. Arns, occasionally Seth Towns. Sometimes, Suing's been good with about 12 points a game here over this recent stretch. EJ's been phenomenal with 20 points over this stretch. But we need all hands on deck Thursday night at Carver-Hawkeye. Uh, Ohio State ranked seven, Iowa ranked eight. That's because they'd lost two in a row before they went, uh, before they hosted Michigan State last night and won. So they don't have a lot of time to prepare for Ohio State. Can't put in a ton of wrinkles for Ohio State. We pretty much know what we're going to get. Uh, but they make threes, and Garza's a problem. And I thought at the outset of the year, when you looked at Ohio State having struggles against Notre Dame in the post for a while, until, who's the hero of that game? Uh, oh, Musa Jallo was the hero of that game. <clears throat> but at that point in time, I thought, well, what are we going to do with Kofi Coburn? What are we going to do with Luca Garza? Well, we did fine with Kofi Coburn. He got a lot of points, but we won at Illinois. We, like I have something to do with it. Uh, <laughs> Garza's an issue. He's a better player and it'll be interesting to me today to see if Chris Holtman has ever faced a more accomplished low-post scorer or just scorer than Luca Garza. Because I'm thinking back on Holtman's days in the Big East and 14, 15, 16. There really wasn't anybody in the Big East that stands out to me now who was a great big man scorer. Villanova had a lot of great guards. Xavier... A lot of great guards and wings. Big East wasn't, you know, wasn't the Walter Berry, Patrick Ewing Big East back then. So that'll be interesting to see what Holtman's assessment of Garza is. And also, a key for Ohio State will be how many threes are good threes. Not every three that not every three that's an open three is a good three. An open three for Kyle Young's not a good three. No offense, it isn't. An open three for Musa Jallo is not a good three. He, I don't want him shooting threes. Let's see. For Seth Towns, what night are we talking about? Some nights, it's a great three. Other nights, it isn't. Because Seth has a tendency to be 8 to 12 point Seth or 0 to 2 point Seth. I don't know what we're going to get on Thursday. And that's not a really a, it's not as much a reflection on inconsistency in Seth. You have to be fair to Seth Towns. What we are told is that his knee is not right, and his knee is somewhat its intemperate. What's his knee going to be today when he wakes up? We don't know. He doesn't know. Next year will be a fairer time to expect more consistency from Seth Towns. He's playing his first basketball in essentially three years. He sat out about two years. So I'm happy we're getting what we get out of him. He occasionally makes some shots that you go, ooh. The shot he made at the end of the shot clock against Michigan State on Sunday was like, what? That was a big shot at that juncture of the game. And he, even he knew how unlikely that shot was to go down because he had a big smile on his face after he made it. But 
We need Washington. We need EJ. We need Young to have a 10-point game. We need Suing to have a 12 to 15-point game. And if we get all that, and all of them are capable, and, you know, wouldn't hurt if C.J. Walker had eight and not a lot of turnovers and certainly not turnovers right under his own basket like he had Sunday against Michigan State. So we need all hands on deck for this one. Got to shoot smart threes. Got to make threes. Got to shoot 40% plus from three to win this game. Iowa's going to make threes. Garza's going to make shots. Hopefully you're not in foul trouble. Zed Key could be a big part of this game. Zed Key was not shy about banging with Kofi Coburn, but is Zed Key going to get calls fairly matched up against Luka Garza, or is Zed Key going to go out there and in two minutes have three fouls? Because Big Ten officials probably don't give Zed Key the run that they're going to give Luka Garza. So I'm worried about this game. Then Monday they play at Maryland, and that's no cakewalk either because Maryland beat Purdue last night, and uh, Ohio State can't beat Purdue. So that's going to be a big, big deal for Ohio State. So I reminded you about our friends at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. Now, uh, among the uh, almost 50 now executive orders that Joe Biden has signed is one that is meant to uh, expand Obamacare, at least its availability. I've told you throughout December that open enrollment was up until December the 15th. Joe Biden now has established a new open enrollment period because, you know, he wants to get as many people um, in Obamacare as possible. So I'm trying so hard to be diplomatic here. Um, and that's good for you if you missed the deadline in December. It's good for you if you signed up in December and you want, ah, I made a mistake. I wish I could have got out of my current plan and I wish I could have tried this. I'd found about, about it too late. Now is the time to be investigating with our friends, auiinfo.com about what's there for you on healthcare.gov. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't. I know you say, how's it possible? Anything that's free, how can it be worth it? The deal is that Obamacare was so complex that the cost of Obamacare, the cost of whatever policy you get through it, includes a healthcare consultant. Mm -hmm. So they get paid by the insurance companies, and they don't have preferred carriers that can put you with anybody. A business person, sure, you can change your plan anytime. There is no such thing as open enrollment for you. If you're an independent contractor, realtor, plumber, lawyer, consultant, doctor, you got your own business, you're a group of one in the eyes of the government. Only the government could come up with group of one. Uh, so Chrissy and AUI, that's where you go. Ask the question you want to know on chat. Just ask. I pay this. Here's my benefits. Do you think I could do better? with? Can you guys help me do better? What do you, it takes 30 seconds to type a text message into a chat. There you go. And they're not going to inundate you with calls. They're going to tell you yes or no. Here's what we'd recommend. Blah, blah, blah. Who are you with? This is the weakness. This is the strength. AUIinfo.com, AUIinfo.com. Easy to take care of it on Zoom, on the web, on chat, on a phone, or they'll meet with you in person if you like. Whatever you want to do, AUIinfo.com. All right. Uh, when does Ohio State play Michigan? Right now on the big... 10, there are six teams in the top 25. Michigan, four. Ohio State, seven. Iowa, eight. Illinois, 12. Wisconsin, 19. Purdue, 24. No Rutgers. They've been in there. Uh, who else has been in there? Northwestern's been in there. Penn State's not been in there, but they're they're coming on right now. So six teams in the top 25. It's a crazy good league. It's by far the best league in the country, and the best team in the league appears to be Michigan, which I could just throw up in my mouth a little bit saying that because not only is it Michigan, it's Juwan Howard, Coach Michigan. And I'm not a Juwan Howard guy. I still have residual flashbacks and PTSD from uh, 19, 
92 Mideast Regionals in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and Juwan Howard shouting, we shocked the world. Yeah, sure you did. You got paid to do it, too. Um, so Michigan is coming in here to Columbus on February the 21st. 20, uh, yeah, 21st. A Sunday game against Michigan. And that starts an incredible, but I just said, six teams in the top 25. Pretty much any stretch in the Big Ten is an incredible stretch. But listen to this closing stretch for Ohio State. Michigan at home, at Michigan State, Iowa, Illinois at home. If we could have fans in there, I'd feel good about getting, you know, the Iowa or or maybe the Iowa and Illinois game. But, man, having beaten Illinois over there, they're going to be loaded for bear, and who knows what happens against Iowa on Thursday night. Iowa is no bargain anywhere. So that's a really tough stretch. And Ohio State under Holtman has gone through some January swoons. Well, we're not swooning now. We won six out of seven. But in this league, swoons are one stretch of the schedule away. And it wouldn't shock me if that's the swoon. And that'll lower expectations going into the tournament. That'll lower their seed. And that'll make it harder to go. I don't know. I'm not going to say it'll happen before it happens. But that's a really tough way to end the season. Okay, Ohio State football briefly. Spring game, Ryan Day is hoping for April the 17th. I don't see any reason why that's not realistic unless they get a COVID outbreak. Will there be fans there? No, not by April the 17th. Maybe DeWine will relent and let a few fans in. I don't know. Most likely OSU was super vigilant on COVID, super afraid, super scared, trying to avoid a lawsuit at all costs. I don't think they're going to let you go to the spring game on April the 17th. I just don't see it. I'm hoping we don't get high school basketball tournaments canceled. Man, that would be so unfair to basketball players in the state of Ohio because they got it taken away from them last year. Literally, I know girls' teams were on the bus to Columbus for the Final Four. Minster, Fort Laramie, two schools in particular. They were stopped in Marysville to eat. Got back on the bus. Well, the coaches got a text while they were at lunch. Got back on the bus and had to tell their kids, hey, we're not going home. We're going to Columbus. We're going home. COVID. Shut down. That's it. It's over. That that's crushing. Cannot do that to our high school wrestlers, our high school girls and boys basketball players. Cannot do that to them again. So uh, I'm not optimistic that we'll be getting back to any sense of normalcy until fall. And if you ask me, am I optimistic about that? Full crowds at football games, no masking, all that. I'm not optimistic about that either. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, I would rip the masks off right now and I would put the kids back in school full time and go at it and get this over with because I saw a stat this morning that um, like 64% of all deaths are in nursing homes. Don't quote me on the number, but some outrageous, outrageously high percentage of deaths are in nursing homes. Well, nobody's happy that people die in nursing homes, but guess what? When you go to a nursing home, what do you know is probably going to happen? That's probably where you're going to transition from this life to the next. And uh, it's, I mean, I could say that's not the truth, but that is the truth. It was the truth for my mother. So I've experienced it. I know what it is. And that's how it is. All right. Everybody was excited yesterday morning when tweets started to come out that the return of EA Sports College football is at least on the horizon. I read a story this morning. It's not on the horizon for this fall. which I don't know why. My guess is they want to figure out how to do this in the name, image, and likeness era. If you've forgotten, 
which you could have with COVID and everything going on. College athletes are soon to be paid for the use of their name, image, and likeness. Thank you, Mr. Spielman, for making that possible for all the college athletes. I'm sure his um, mailbox is inundated with thank you notes. Chris got a lot of heat for suing Ohio State for the unauthorized use of his name, image, and likeness. But Ed O'Bannon, former UCLA basketball player, is most known for suing the NCAA over his likeness being used in an EA Sports game, and that shut down EA Sports. So you can blame Ed O'Bannon for that, but really he was on the right side of this, and so was Spiels on the right side of this. And, you know, there are people who are, oh, Chris Spielman, how could you sue Ohio State? Well, you sue people when they aren't reasonable, when they are violating your rights. Chris had a car deal in Columbus with a manufacturer and Ohio State put Chris's name and likeness on a banner advertising for a competing company that makes cars. <laughs> I mean, and didn't consult him and didn't pay him a dollar to do it. And so that's wrong. And everybody knows in their heart and their head that's wrong. And I have gone full circle on this whole name, image, and likeness thing. I used to think college athletes are getting an education, they're getting tutoring, they're getting gear, they're getting life experiences, they're getting connections in the business community, they're getting a lot for their service. And they are. None of that changes. But what has made me become a, an advocate of name, image, and likeness is that Ryan Day's paid $6 million. bucks. Gene Smith's paid $2 million. bucks. If there's money to pay those guys that salary, and I don't have a problem with them making that salary if that's what the market dictates i'm a marketplace capitalist fine but don't tell me you run a non-profit which all colleges are non-profits all colleges and all the ones that play big time football and basketball all the ones that play d1 i believe grand canyon university now is back to being a non-profit they were the outlier for a while and they took a lot of heat for it arizona state went to war with them over that so they're all nonprofit. Well, what do you have to do if you're a nonprofit? You can't show yourself making millions and millions and millions and millions every year because then you're not, not nonprofit. So they spend every buck. They find ways to spend every buck. Building fantastic facilities, good for the kids. Is there a, is there a good side, bad side to everything? Sure. I've always said two things can be true at once. So I don't have a problem with the coaches and the spend. That's how it is. I get why you're doing it. I don't think it's necessarily 100% genuine while you're doing it. I think you're doing it to perpetuate a system that benefits you. It's just time that it benefits the athletes. It's just time that it is. Don't give me excuses. I'll go John Cooper on you here. Don't tell me about the pain. Show me the baby. And I don't care that it's hard to adjudicate all this. I don't care that it's going to cause NCAA headaches. It's the right thing to do. And it's never the wrong thing to do the right thing. So the EA Sports thing is going to come back and there's going to be amazing revenue off this game and the athletes should and better must get a cut of it so they got to figure that part out they haven't figured that part out yet but they have deals with the colleges sure they do the colleges will be more than happy to take the money but it better go into a fund for the players because if you're playing a video game and that guy on the video game looks suspiciously like justin fields and he suspiciously has the same number as justin fields and he's throwing to number two at wide receiver who looks suspiciously like chris olave then those guys better be getting a cut of that money. But everybody's excited about EA Sports. I'm excited about it because, great, 
you know, what's it's stupid not to have the game because, oh, you just don't want to pay people. We can't figure out a way to do it. You're an elite athletic director at an elite institution. Figure it out. Figure it out. Do your job, NCAA. Do your job, ADs. You're paid like you're paid like not everybody can do your job, so you should be able to do the hard things. You should be able to figure out the hard things. And that's what qualifies you for the job that you have. But in personally, I I don't play video games. I, I and I don't have anything against sports video games. I think, you know, video games that glorify violence and desensitize you to violence are a danger we shouldn't run in our society. I don't know that they brainwash a big number of people, but if they brainwash one, that's too many. Um, or desensitize one, that's too many. But I just can't imagine having enough time in my daily schedule to sit down on a couch and blah, 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 blah. I, I just can't imagine it. Teenagers, sure. College kids, sure. Grown men, I can't imagine it. I got yard to mow. I got chores to do. I got chickens to feed. I got dogs to take care of. I got a job to do. I got girls to bond with. My, my daughters. I got a wife I want to spend time with. This causes me no angst that I can't do it. I never got into it, and I'm glad that I did not. There's the uh, crawl reminder about auiinfo.com. If you were saying, wow, I wish I had taken note of who that was. Bruce said could hook me up on health insurance or if I'm a business, disability, vision, dental, all that. I wish I had taken note. There it is, auiinfo.com. Okay, um, before we get into the faith portion of the podcast, you can get your legal questions answered on my daily radio show on 98.9 The Answer by sending them to my work email address, bruce at 9890answer.com. Fridays at 6 p.m., we have uh, the great people from Willis Spangler Starling in to answer your questions. We've had a lot of interesting questions. Ask a sports question. Ask a name, image, and likeness question. Ask That would be a cool question to ask um, because I know the partners would love it. They're great people at Willis Spangler Starling. I don't do business with bad people. In radio, there's been a time or two where I've been sitting in a meeting and uh, the person on the other end was going to pay me and there's nothing you know morally wrong with their business. And But would I do business with them? No. Well, I've learned you know, 15 years into this radio thing, I only want to do business with good people. Three years into the podcast thing, I only want to do two years into the podcast thing. I only want to do business with good people. And so AUI, Hemisphere, and the Willis Spangler Starling Law Firm are all sponsors of my show on 98.9. And I'm really grateful for their support. I'm just really grateful that God's put them in my life, people that um, are great at what they do, have a passion for what they do, want to help others. Those are all values that I esteem. And so if you ask me what attorney firm you should go with, well, it's a no-brainer. I'd go with Willis Spangler Starling because I know their expertise extends across the whole spectrum of anything that's going to come across your plate. And I just know that they're going to prioritize your case and understand that that case is your Super Bowl. Nobody wants to be in a legal action. I've sat on a witness stand before in a case about a landfill in Bell Fountain, story I wrote in the newspaper. is intimidating. If that had nothing to do with me personally, if you were in a court of law for something that had to do with you personally, against you, or you were trying to have your legal rights protected, I mean, you want somebody who really understands how 
crazy of an experience that is. And Willis Bangler Starling makes sure that's one of their core values, that they don't have any routine cases that people come in and they're in the middle of a struggle. They're um, a bit flummoxed by the whole reason that they have to see an attorney. So you want to go with attorneys who understand that. Willis Bangler Starling does. They're online at willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com. They're on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard. Okay, so now that I did that, let me uh, run the Willis crawl so that if you didn't get it, you can get it there. And let me note that this upcoming is the faith portion of the podcast. How are we doing on time? Looks like we're pretty good on time. I try to keep these at 45 minutes. Okay, <clears throat> last night was a tough night here at home. Um, our German Shepherd, Roxy, passed away. I know it's a dog. I get it. Roxy had been ill for a long time. She had a digestive issue that um, introduced a very definite finality to her life. We loved her with uh, my wife, Sherry's very, very, very invested in her pets. Every pet we lose is a is a struggle for her and for my daughters emotionally. And when I see that, that's a struggle for me. So, um, not to get too graphic, but uh, Roxy was in our garage, and I didn't want my kids and wife to have to see Roxy in the garage, so I needed to be the one to get her into a, uh, a final resting place where she would be not disturbed and um, where my kids and wife would be spared watching that. So I dealt with death last night, a finality of death. It was sobering. It was very sobering and, um, and impacted me. And it made me think about death and its inevitability for all of us. Could happen accidentally, could happen suddenly, could happen um, progressively. Might live 95 years, might live five more hours. Don't know. We literally don't know. No one does. Bodies could give out. And so that put me in a, in a mood. Not a bad mood, just a mood, just a, just a weird place. My thoughts and um, contemplating eternity, and I have no doubt where I'm going in eternity because I have the certainty of Jesus Christ as my Savior and as my Lord, and I know that I'm promised eternal life because of nothing I've done but because of what Christ did for me at the cross and my acceptance of that gift, my claiming of that gift. So that is something that if you've not done it, um, I have stressed many times, hopefully every time, the importance of making that decision with a clear mind. Don't just let the decision be made for you about your eternal destiny through putting it off and never getting around to it, and never seriously considering what happens to me after I die. Years ago, Jim Tressel uh, spoke 
at a church that I was attending, and he told the story of how he turned his life over to Christ. And he said he was at an FCA camp. I believe I have this correctly. I know the gist of it. I think it was a camp. And Rex Kern, then the Ohio State quarterback, 1968 National Championship quarterback at Ohio State, was giving his testimony. And he asked the campers, including a young Jim Tressel, what would happen to you? Where would you go if you died today? And that made a powerful impact on Tress. I have told you the story of, and you have heard him in his own words tell the story, Tom Ryan, the Ohio State wrestling coach, of the searing emotional pain of losing his son Teague at age five at their family dinner table to a heart attack. It makes no sense. Never saw it coming. Hours before, Teague was laughing, joking, having fun with his brothers. He was sitting there at the table fine, eating dinner, and his time to leave this earth came. Set Tom on a journey to find out what happens. What happens? And he came down to deciding it has to, everything in life has to be random chance or it has to be under the control of a divine creator. And Tom, I believe, gifted with heavenly wisdom, chose to, chose to make the decision that it makes way more sense to have it divinely ordained than it does for everything in life, the creation of life and what happens in life and the innovations in life to be random chance. So I'm reading in Acts today, Acts 17 and 18, and Paul, the Apostle Paul, is going around the country, the, the continent, and he's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ 50, 60-ish years after Jesus' birth, so 30-some years after his death, almost 30 years after his death. And the gospel is growing. People are believing. Paul is going into synagogues, Jewish synagogues, to preach. Well, I I misspoke. He's going into Jewish synagogues to tell people that Jesus was the Messiah they've been looking for for thousands of years. And I said he's in there preaching. In Acts 17 and 18, it often says that Paul went into the synagogues to Jews who didn't believe, who were waiting for a Messiah. Paul's going in to make the case that Jesus was the Messiah. It says he reasoned with them. He reasoned with them, and he explained the Scriptures to them, and he proved Jesus was the Christ. Now, I have encountered many people in my life who cannot come to faith, believing in Christ, trusting their eternal destiny to his free gift of salvation on the cross, because they can't, they say, I just can't believe in a God I can't see, or one who has not talked to me, or whatever. But the Bible says that Paul reasoned with them. And I thought about that, reasoning with people. Reasoning implies to me you make a logical case. It's understandable. It has veracity. It has truth. And after that, people go, oh, sure. I want to tell you that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a blind faith. It is not. I believe you can get to faith in Christ by approaching it logically and in a reasoned way. 
most people in this world, I've never met one. In fact, I would say dare there isn't one who is not curious about what happens to me after I die. What happens to me after I die? Where do I go? Is this life it? Blah, 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 blah. Everybody in life struggles with the issue. What's my purpose in life? What's my mission? What am I here for? What am I supposed to do? How do I grade my success? And then we have many people, many people who you look at and I look at from the outside and I go, whoa, what a success they are. Wow. Look at their prominence. Look at their power. Look at their prestige. Look at their wealth. And how many of those people do you know who are truly content? I'm not talking about happy. Happy is happy today, not happy tomorrow. Happy today, bad meal at the restaurant, bad service, not happy. Contentment is what we strive for. It's a peace. It's a it's a, hey, I'm cool with everything, right? That's contentment. I struggled for a long time with contentment. Wanted to climb the ladder professionally. Wanted to climb the ladder a million different ways. And I always found that whatever rung I reached, guess what? There was always another rung up above that looked just a little bit better and seemed just a little bit more enviable and attainable. And if I got to that rung, guess what? Oh, well, there was a rung above it. <laughs> There's an old saying, you know, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. I got news for you. The grass is also brown everywhere. <laughs> it just is. Whatever you do, you're always like, oh, I could do more. I wish I had a little more of this, a little more of that, a little more of whatever. Celebrities end their lives with drug addiction and horrible life choices and stuff because they are... As Ecclesiastes says, chasing their tail. They're chasing around and around and around. There's always something out there. But the scriptures make sense with this inborn thirst, hunger we have for making sense of life, making sense of our purpose, making sense of our mission, making sense of seeking some kind of certainty about where you'll spend eternity Believing in Christ is not a crutch. Believing in Christ makes total logical sense when you do an honest inventory of your life and you say, well, if there's a God and he is good and he is expecting me to be good in order to merit something, eternal life, pretty good prize, then... I'm going to strive for that. I'm going to strive for that. And then, okay, you can strive for that. It's great. I spent 30-some years of my life striving for that. Did I ever get to a point where I felt like, woo, I'm good. I'm in. No, never. Because I always knew, well, uh, this aspect of my life's not great. My thoughts aren't always great. My words aren't always great. My mood's not always great. My treatment of others is not always great. Boy, if there is a if there's a good God out there and he's expecting me to be good, not even all the time, a majority of the time, I'm probably not going to meet that standard. <laughs> I just did an honest inventory of my life and it just wasn't going to meet that standard. And it bothered me. And it drove me to try harder, try harder and try harder and try harder. And what did that do? It only exposed how much, how ina inadequate and un- um, what's the word I'm looking for? Unqualified. That I was, if the standard was perfection 
or close to perfection. And it's perfection. It's not close to perfection. It's perfection. Because God is perfect. God is good. If he takes on someone who's not, you know, perfect, it corrupts his nature. He can't be associated with that. He won't be associated with that. And that's why we have this longing in every human heart for wanting to know, what's going to happen to me when I die? Is it going to go well for me? Is it going to, am I going to get punished? Am I, uh... Now, you can be in the camp that thinks there's nothing else out there, but that's just silly. Like all the things in the world, the miracle of a rainbow, the amazing truth that every snowflake is different, um, how animals hibernate in the wintertime and know to store up food. If you really ponder the miraculous nature of nature and the miraculous nature of how the human brain can devise rockets to go to the moon and stuff like You think that's all random? You want to go with that? You want to stand on that in eternity? You're willing to take a chance I'm not willing to take. So the only way that it makes sense to me is if a good God is perfect and wants to surround himself with perfection, but no human can be perfect, what if that good God provided a way for me to be perfect in his sight? What if he provided a way for for a lens to exist so that when he looks at me, he doesn't see what I see in me. He sees me through a lens that makes me perfect and acceptable. And that's exactly what he did by sending Jesus to earth, to live as a man, to be tempted as we are, to triumph over that temptation, to die so that he did it perfectly, and we can borrow that. We can cover ourselves with that. We can be seen through that lens by God. Now you say, that's I can't I can't believe in something I can't understand. I can't put my faith in something I can't understand. Okay, so here's my response to you on that. When you go out and get in your car this morning and you turn it on and it starts. If I stopped you at the end of your driveway and I said, before you go out on the highway and go to work, I want you to tell me exactly how the mechanisms of the internal combustion engine work. Because you can't go out on the highway if you don't understand and have complete knowledge and proof. I can't let you go out there if you don't have complete knowledge and proof of how this several-ton machine is going to react in the world. Because you're putting other lives at danger, including your own life. So I need you to give me a five-minute explanation of how the inner mechanisms of the internal combustion engine work. Or I need you to tell me how, when you get up in the morning and you plug something into an electrical outlet, nothing bad happens, but if you go over and stick your finger in that outlet, in fact, why don't you go stick your finger in that outlet? Well, I don't go stick my finger in that outlet because I know that if I do, I could shock myself and end my life. Okay, have you done that before? No. Well, how do you know then if you've never done it before? Well, I've heard about other people who've done it. Oh, so you're putting your faith in something based upon other people's experiences. I see. And you're and you're comfortable with that, right? Yes. 
Okay, okay, let, before I answer that, let me ask you another question. How about tonight when you take a bath, um, you take a radio in there, plug the radio into the wall, and then throw the radio in the bathtub with you? Oh, well, I can't do that. Why can't you do that? Because if I did, I'd electrocute myself. How do I know? Have you electric- How do you know? Have you electrocuted yourself before? Well, uh, no. I mean, I, I just know it'll happen. How do you know it'll happen? I know it'll happen because I, I, I've heard it happens to other people. Okay, so you're ordering your life according to decisions that, do you know anybody who's done that? Have you, have you had any friends have that happen? No, but I read about a guy who went to, oh, oh, so you're ordering your life according to what you've heard other people have done and what's happened to them. Yes, just like you're ordering your life about not sticking your finger in a light socket because you've heard about other people who've done that and it's been very painful, maybe killed them. That's why you don't do it. Yes, that's why I don't do it. So then why don't you put your faith in Christ? Because have you not seen how people who put their faith in Christ have dealt with the loss of a child, loss of a spouse, debilitating illness themselves. Have you seen them reflect a peace? Have you heard about Johnny Erickson Tata, who 17 years old in a diving accident, broke her neck, and she's in a wheelchair forever, and yet she thought her life was over at that point in time, but she submitted herself to God, and she's an amazing artist and um, believer, and she's suffered the last few years with cancer, and yet she continues to extol the virtues and the beauty and provision and grace of God. Where do you think that strength comes from? So she's giving you an example that's, to me, as powerful as somebody who throws a radio in a bathtub, something bad happens to them, something great's happened to her in her life, something great's happened to people around you, you know believers, and yet you're not willing to emulate their life choices as a way to gain the peace that they have gained, but you are willing to adopt a whole array of things and behaviors and habits based upon what you just trust. You can't explain to me the workings of the internal combustion engine. You can't explain to me the mysteries of electricity. You can't explain to me why a radio on the counter is safe, but a radio in the bathtub with you is not safe. You can't explain any of that, but you wouldn't dare chance it because that's a risk you don't want to run. Yet with your eternal destiny, with absolute total proof that Christ, even if all he does is make this life more bearable in the face of unforeseen and awful circumstances, isn't it worth that? What if you made the money that Jim Morrison made? What if you made the money that untold celebrities made, that Jimi Hendrix made, that Whitney Houston made, and yet they didn't have that peace, didn't have that assurance, and they kept chasing more and their pursuit of temporal things, their pursuit of that one more rung on the ladder brought them to the end of themselves prematurely. I don't understand how you can have so much faith in so many things you don't understand, and yet you cannot put your faith in Jesus Christ 
as your Lord and Savior when walking, living, breathing examples are all around you in the world. That is why I believe Paul reasoned, didn't preach, didn't shout, didn't yell, didn't accuse, that he reasoned with people and that he explained it and that he proved it, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he is there to offer you eternal life, salvation, forgiveness, redemption. If you only say, I can't believe how great this deal is for me, Lord, but I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it as my own. I'm going to take your perfection on myself. I want that lens where God looks at me and he doesn't see me as I see me. He sees me as you were. That's my hope for you. That's why I do this podcast. It's... um an amazing way to live your life. It's a rich way to win your life. I don't have much money. <laughs> I'm making less money now than I've made in about 40 years. My life is better than it's ever been because of my relationship with Jesus. So I hope that draws you to faith in him. I hope you think about that because How far away is death from your door? You don't know. Taking a tremendous chance, letting the eternally significant decision of what you're going to do with what Jesus did for you, just letting it pass without ever thinking it through, without ever purposing in your mind why you've decided either to accept him or reject him. Thanks for your time this morning. Really appreciate it. I'd love to hear from you. Email me, SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail.com or Bruce at 9890answer.com. Leave me a review on iTunes and I will be back Friday after the Buckeyes hopefully take down Luca Garza and Fran McCaffrey. I'm watching you. You are shunned. <laughs> See you then.